Hello, hello, hello! You're listening to Big Easy Ideas, a podcast that features live recordings from New Orleans Entrepreneur Week and builds connections at the intersection of innovation and culture. New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, or NOE as the locals like to call it, is an annual event across the city of New Orleans every March and is a celebration of startups, innovation, entrepreneurship, and what's next. Learn more and check out ways to get involved at neworleansentrepreneurweek.org or noew.org. And now, on to today's episode. Hello, Big Easy Ideas listeners, and welcome back. Today's episode takes a closer look at NFTs and their potential to both disrupt and support the global cultural marketplace. With the volatility of crypto markets and numerous headlines detailing scams within the burgeoning space, why are companies and institutions rapidly adopting these technologies into their digital strategies? Monetizing assets that have previously been dormant and creating more active and immersive online experiences are key factors in driving interest towards Web3, and major players are still looking to get in early. In this fireside chat, Chris Cummings, the founder and CEO of Iconic Moments and a recent Idea Village alumni, will discuss how he's building a marketplace for museums and cultural institutions to mint their unique assets as NFTs. In conversation with Chris is Doug Vance, who at the time was Vice President of Product Management at the Walt Disney Company, and now is the VP of Product at Calm. These two will discuss the unfolding frontier of the NFT space and the potential ways in which this digital innovation will be used in the future. So we are the last panel uh, of the day before the mayor speaks, so no, no pressure here for us. And thanks for sticking around uh, for this fireside chat. If you've been here for the last couple hours, there's been some great conversations about Web3 and NFTs and the impacts that, that these technologies can have in New Orleans specifically and with the artist community, musicians, and some great community efforts. I'm excited to have Chris here with me today to talk about uh, some of his efforts bringing NFTs to a much broader global community of cultural institutions and museums. And I'll do a quick intro for myself too. Um, I run product management for the Walt Disney Company, uh, working with brands like ESPN, Marvel, Nat Geo, ABC News, etc. We've gotten into NFTs in the last year. We can talk a little bit about what Disney's doing with NFTs and why we think that's interesting. Uh, but Chris, why don't you intro yourself and then we can kick off the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Chris Cummings. I'm the founder and CEO of Iconic Moments. We're building the first NFT marketplace for every museum in the world. And so our goal is to really help museums to have a digital first model, to engage a new generation of visitors digitally, to learn how to drive revenue digitally, really for the first time, and to be able to build a digital museum for every physical museum in the metaverse. 
small uh, challenge you're trying to tackle there. It's uh, re uh, really exciting. Uh, so to kick off the conversation, I actually wanted to quote the founder of Ethereum, Vitalik Buterin. He was interviewed by Time Magazine about a week or so ago for a cover story they did on him and, and cryptocurrency. And in his interview, he said something that I think was pretty relevant to what we've been talking about with NFTs and Web3 and also what Chris is doing. Vitalik said, from his perspective, the goal of crypto is not to play games with million-dollar pictures of monkeys. It's to do things that accomplish meaningful effects in the real world. Beyond the speculation and kind of you know, financial gains that people are trying to make, uh, quick wins, Web3 really offers the opportunity to, to change many aspects of society and culture. And as the founder of Ethereum, he wants to see builders like Chris and you all lean into that. He went on to reference uh, opportunities like fair voting, urban planning, universal basic income as opportunities for, for Web3 and NFTs to really change society again. Chris, in addition to what Vitalik was talking about, I thought maybe you could tell us why you've decided to focus on museums and cultural institutions, some of the challenges you've seen as you've been speaking with these institutions over the last few years, the challenges that they've been seeing due to COVID, and then we can talk a little bit about how NFTs and Web3 might help move them into the, the next phase of their existence. You're right about Vitalik's quote. I think the challenges that we see when talking with museums are the same challenges that he's referencing. And that's if your mom, your grandparent has heard about an NFT, they've probably heard about it being associated with a crazy piece of generative art. And the problem is that's the first impression that most people have formed when it comes to what an NFT is. You say NFT, they think NFT means crazy generative art, crazy bored ape. And so a lot of people, everyday people who have not really entered into Web3, their first impression and their belief is that an NFT is just that. They don't see the potential for Web3 to revolutionize and be attached to really any industry that exists, from real estate, property deeds, contracting, IP, supply chain, logistics. Web3 is a better and more efficient system to be able to do business in every area of the world. And so the problem is that there has to be some education now that has to happen to reorient people's thinking around what an NFT is and what it could be. So, you know, when we are talking with museums about the potential of Web3 and educating them about NFTs, we know from the very beginning, they think NFTs and they think, oh, crazy people thing. They think NFTs and they think all NFTs bad for environment. They don't even necessarily understand that it's really a conversation about how blockchains are built and not NFTs specifically. So when we talk about the value of NFTs, what an NFT could be, you know, we're really talking about the ability to bridge the physical and the digital world together. The ability for an NFT to be a better system for a museum to do their fundraising. Every bit of fundraising now for museums all requires someone to physically walk through their door. Museums make money in three ways. Ticket sales, event rentals, and once a year fundraisers. And all three are bringing people there to pay money. And so because of that, they've really struggled in the pandemic. I mean, 25% of museums in the U.S. have less than four months cash to survive. Less than four months. They've had to fire pretty much everyone. And it's because that model isn't working anymore. And so when we talk about NFTs, it's, your NFT is not just a collectible. It can be tied to an actual ticket, a membership, the idea of building a digital museum. And that's not something they've ever thought of or seen before.
And, and Chris, can you, can you give an example of, you know, when you talk about museums and cultural institutions and their, their use of NFTs, as an end user, as somebody who might want to buy an NFT from a museum or, or, museum or cultural institution that I find valuable, what would I be getting exactly? Like, what does that actually look like? Yeah, and let, let's be clear. We don't believe in selling original ownership of anything in a museum. That would pose some serious ethical issues. When we talk about NFTs and NFT projects, you often hear the notion of, well, what is the utility that's attached and what is the roadmap? And working with the museum, fortunately, we're able to do a lot of really interesting real-world things. One of our clients is the Universal Hip Hop Museum that's being built right now in the Bronx. That museum will open in two years, and they have a, a pop-up version of the museum right now that you can experience. So when we talk to the museum around what does an NFT look like, it's being able to create essentially a lithograph or a limited edition item that comes from the collection. But for us, we're focusing on uh, the same thing a museum always cares about. What is the story around that piece of history that you want someone to know? What is the story behind this museum? Why does it exist? And also, what is the social impact of the purchase? How are you going to help this museum be built? And then from a utility perspective, maybe that NFT functions as a special access token to an event that's coming up. So you can say that not only am I digitally supporting this museum, but I also have physical experience as well. You mentioned the Hip Hop uh, Museum in the Bronx. Can you mention any other uh, museums that you're working with or talking with? I think the audience might be interested in hearing another example or two. For us, when we think of museums, most people think, oh, well, you're just dealing in fine art. And it's like, no, I mean, that is just the smallest sliver of what a museum really is. You know, there are museums across every category. There are museums for every major brand that exists as well. You know, some of the clients that we're working with that we really are excited about and just believe in are everyone from like the Leslie Lohman Museum uh, in New York. They're one of only two LGBTQ museums in the entire world. The Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago that holds 140 years of TV and radio history. Some of the museums we've worked with went from 55 employees down to three due to the impact of COVID. And we have an opportunity to make more money for a museum in one hour than they'll make in a year to be able to rebuild that museum back to where they were pre-pandemic. And that's why we're excited about it. Chris, you also mentioned something about storytelling as it relates to NFTs. I think that's something that you and I have talked a bit about. Some of the panelists uh, earlier in the day referenced OpenSea, of course, OpenSea being kind of the de facto marketplace today to, to buy NFTs. But I know that you, both of us find that while OpenSea, of course, has defined the category and built an incredible business, it is lacking a bit in giving creators institutions the ability to uh, highlight more of the stories behind uh, the NFTs that somebody might be purchasing or thinking about purchasing. Again, how might storytelling evolve as part of the overall NFT offering if, if you had your way with what you're doing with uh, Iconic? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something you and I share alignment on. I mean, I think storytelling is and always will be the most powerful way to communicate anything in the world, always. There have been numerous studies done for over 20 years in e-commerce around attaching stories to products you're selling versus trying to sell the product without. Storytelling always produces results that are like 100 times better every single time. And you know what's crazy is there's sort of this template that exists for what an NFT marketplace looks like. You can see it on OpenSea, but it's really no different than Rarible or anyone else. You have a, an NFT, you have the transaction history, you have the buy button, you have the ownership history, and you have more NFTs. But what you don't have is what is the story of the NFT? What inspired them to create that piece? And so, you know, when we looked at NFT marketplaces and wanting to do this for museums, the first question we said is, well, can we just use what someone else has built, right? Do we need to build our own technology? And when we 
dug into it, we were like, we have to. Because the entire museum industry is built on sharing stories. It's literally built around communicating and passing down knowledge. So for us, you know, we want to create an experience that builds a relationship with the buyer. So you understand, it's like, what does your purchase enable this museum to do? And what is this historical moment? Why does it matter? What is going to be the thing you want to share with someone else? It shouldn't be, hey, look, here's this cool photo. It's, well, did you know that this is from one of the most important moments in all of history and time? That's, that's what a museum does. And I think that that's true for not just museums, but what brands also want to do when it comes to NFTs and the metaverse. And it's just on the cusp of actually starting to talk about that. Just to mention the Walt Disney Company briefly here, I think we totally agree, Chris. Like the storytelling aspect of NFTs is what's what's interesting to us as a kind of a stepping stone, perhaps, to the the metaverse and what comes next with how uh, you all interact with all this amazing uh, Disney intellectual property that has been created for the last you know 80, 90 years. We announced uh, recently that we hired a head of metaverse for Disney, whose sole job is to figure out you know, how we can leverage technology like uh, NFTs to bring our fans closer to the, all this great IP that we've, that we've created. And yeah, storytelling, again, I think is, is going to be at the core of what we do with Web3 Tech. Speaking of other brands, you have a history of working with big brands uh, to help them figure out their NFT strategy. Is there anybody else doing anything interesting you know, from a global perspective, leveraging the NFT technology to, to tell stories or to, to further connection with their brand? hundred percent, right? So like whenever anyone says they're skeptical about Web3 and whether or not this is a fad or NFTs are a fad that's going to go away, I just point to every major brand in the world that is entering into this space and say like every major Fortune 500 is trying to figure out their NFT strategy right now. If you are McDonald's, you're trying to figure out how to create digital McDonald's in the metaverse where you can go in and order a cheeseburger and it'll actually be delivered to your home. If you're Anheuser-Busch, you're filing to have protection on building digital breweries. Any brand you can think of is trying to figure out how to participate within this space because it's an opportunity to reach people in a new medium. And that is only going to evolve and grow, not only through VR, but AR, right? On the VR front, I mean, Oculus is really trying to lead the space in. But AR as well, I mean, whenever Apple releases Apple Glasses, that is going to really be this merging of physical with digital information in a very easy to engage way. I mean, what's, what's your take from what you've seen? You deal with, obviously deal with major brands every day. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think the, the future of the metaverse that everybody is talking about, how we create more immersive digital experiences, I think are going to be underpinned by Web3 technology. That's why, like you said, every major brand is trying to figure out their strategy here. And not to deflect, Chris, but I think in the hallway just before, we were having an interesting conversation talking about folks who, again, may still be skeptical about NFTs or you know the, the opportunity there. We were talking a little bit about gaming and how gaming provides perhaps a roadmap for one really interesting use case of NFTs and Web3 tech. What were the stats that you were just telling me about? I found that really interesting. Yeah, so I mean, like, whenever I'm talking about NFTs, a lot of times people go, I just don't get it, right? Like, why would I buy a digital JPEG? I just literally don't get it. Why would I spend money on that? And then it's like, well, have you or a family member, a friend, a kid ever bought a cosmetic skin in a video game? And they go, oh, yeah. My, you know, my, my kid racked up like $300 of skins in Fortnite. It's like, well, that is a digital item, a digital good that you use to be able to showcase something you have that someone else doesn't for social status. 
In Counter-Strike alone, the value of cosmetic skins in Counter-Strike, $50 billion for one game. Because there was no way for you to be able to sell your cosmetic skins in that video game, long before NFTs, an entire black market popped up for selling cosmetic skins. If you don't create a way for people to exchange the value that they are creating, they will create their own way. NFTs are just a, legitimate, a way to legitimize what's been occurring in the video game industry for over 20 years. Super fascinating. I, I have uh, a few little cousins who, for this past holiday season, literally all they wanted for Christmas or other holidays were digital goods. They didn't want toys. And just seeing how this next generation thinks about digital goods and kind of moves in and out of the physical and digital world so easily and naturally, technologies that enable ownership uh, and investment, transferring those skins, as you mentioned, in games, I think are, are only going to continue to grow. So before we're out of time here, I did, Chris, want to give you a chance to mention, you know, what's next for Iconic Moments? This is a local company. You're competing in Idea Pitch on Friday with two other great companies here. You know, if we want to buy some NFTs from some of these great cultural institutions, how and when can we do that? What, what does that look like? Sure, and, and, and thanks for asking. You know, if anyone's interested, you can just go to iconicmoments.co to, to sign up for our list. I think for us, in terms of what's next, it's one, an opportunity to really help create a way of supporting museums that allows them to really, for the first time, engage the entire world digitally uh, in a way that they haven't figured out. I mean, our vision for what a museum should be and the idea of a museum in the metaverse, I kind of have like this rant against virtual tours, right? Like virtual tours and museums, which is what every museum tried to do in the pandemic, they just take snapshots of a real building and try to get you to go through it. It's an imitation. They're not very good, right? You sit there and you go, man, that's not the same thing. And it's because it's imitating real life. The idea of a museum in the metaverse, if you walk into the World War II Museum here, a digital World War II museum should not have a photo on the wall you can click on. It should have a plane that flies overhead. It should do everything digitally you can't do in the real world, right? Like kids desperately want immersion. They want an immersive experience. Museums hold onto the most fascinating items in the entire world. And on average, only 2% of that is publicly visible. The other 98% sits in a vault gathering dust because they don't have the space to show it. And those, that information is completely locked away, which is the entire opposite point of accessibility, right? Like the whole point of the blockchain is to be able to help make everything permanent and accessible to everyone. So I think where we're the most passionate about is, imagine over the next five years, any kid in any school puts an Oculus on and they can walk into any museum in the world with an avatar and they can do things you can't do in real life. Like, that's the potential for Web3. That is the potential for what a metaverse should be. Uh, and that's what we want to create. Uh, very exciting. Chris, sign me up for that. And thanks to all of you for uh, sticking with us this last panel here. I think we have, Corey, you'll, you'll explain what's coming up next. And uh, yeah, th thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Big Easy Ideas. Big Easy Ideas is produced by The Idea Village, a nonprofit accelerator that supports startups and cultivates entrepreneurial talent in New Orleans and the greater Gulf South region. By visiting ideavillage.org, 
You can learn more about how to turn your idea into a thriving business and how to turn your business into a high growth startup. You can also learn more about opportunities to invest in startups, ways to mentor, partner, and support local industry leading companies. You might also find a job in our region's thriving tech and startup community. The idea is it takes a village. So visit ideavillage.org to explore how to get involved in the Gulf South's rapidly growing entrepreneurial ecosystem. The music for Big Easy Ideas is by the Young Fellas Brass Band from their new album, Block Party, which is available now on all streaming platforms. You can find the Young Fellas Brass Band on the streets of New Orleans and at their website, youngfellasbrassband.com. That's fellas with a Z, young F-E-L-L-A-Z brassband.com. And of course, we want to give a special thank you to all of the sponsors of New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, in addition to the year-round donors and supporters of the Idea Village, who make this work possible and keep this content accessible to all. And finally, thank you for listening. We can't wait to see you down in the Big Easy. Until next time. Thank you.